Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, this is Mary from Luna Mortis, and you're listening to Talking Metal. All right, Doom fans, this is Robert Lowe speaking to you on Talking Metal, vocalist of Mass and SA, two legendary Doom bands. May you be doomed forever. Coming June 7th to the Independent Film Channel. They're a rock band by night and a kids band by day. It's Z-Rock, an all-new season. You're supposed to be our lead singer. Lead us. I can't lead morons. Is there any chance instead of opening up for Kiss tonight, we're opening up for Mini Kiss? Z-Rock, the show critics call a great A treat, returns. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Don't miss the new season of the IFC original hit comedy, Z-Rock. Premiere Sunday, June 7th at 11, 10 Central. The rock gods are smiling on us. Only on IFC. I feel alive. Checking in, one, two, three, this is Astronomy here with Mark Striegel at a place, I think it's called the Galaxy Bar, there's a uh, planet and some stars on the roof. Yeah, that's what's called, the roof, right? Yeah, we are doing piggyback podcasts here, back to back, we just uh, recorded one, we're doing another. We actually wanted to do these in 119, the place next to it, which that random fan mentioned earlier, we had... uh, taped an episode with uh, Xavier. Uh, the old schoolers might remember that one. A couple episodes, I think. But we went in there, and the music was so loud, there was no possible way we were going to be able to do a podcast in there, which is a shame. But we have some uh, you know, great guests on today's show. Mary Zimmer from Luna Mortis. Robert Lowe from Candlemass. Both of these people checked in with us on our live show, Talking Metal Live. The next one is on June 2nd, guys. June 2nd. Uh, we're going to, who knows, we might even have Mastodon on that show. Yeah, absolutely. We are kicking butt on Talking Metal Live. We had such a jam-packed show that last time that there were certain interviews where I was doing them or somewhere you were doing them, and it was just, like, unbelievable. It was the most jam-packed Talking Metal Live. We had to extend it for an hour, and we just had a blast. And, and let me tell you guys, after the Talking Metal Live, I went to a great new bar called Blue Ruin. And it is on, like, 39th, between 38th and 39th. It's the old old Bellevue, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was the old Bellevue bar between 38th and 39th on 9th Avenue, right around the corner from Port Authority. Or actually, yeah, right near Port Authority. And it is a killer bar, guys, and you, you ought to check it out if you're a fan of hard rock and metal. 
But it, but it's not rock, is it? It's more country, like country, or is it is it kind of a rock and roll thing? Because Bellevue, which was a uh, kind of a hard rock and bar that used to be there back in the day, and I guess relocated to Brooklyn with the name Duff's. I've never been to Duff's, but uh, I'm told that that's what happened. But Bellevue was a killer, killer bar that used to exist uh, there back in the day. And this new bar is in the same location, not affiliated with, with that old bar, but... Uh, new location and do they somebody told me there was only country music on the jukebox though is that true you know it didn't strike me as the same kind of a place as like a coyote ugly or or some of these other bars that like like for example there's a bar called the patriot that i like which plays only country uh it struck me as a, a kind of a rock and roll vibe all however i'm sure you'll be able to hear some country there as well right so not like a doc holidays you know doc holidays down on avenue a yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'll have to check that out. Maybe we'll do a podcast there. It's uh, in my uh, work neighborhood. Let's check out an interview with Mary Zimmer from Luna Mortis. Here she is. We are cranking out interviews left and right here. We have Mary coming up. Hello. Hi, Mary. Mark from Talking Metal. How are you? Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Mary, I used to live in Wisconsin. Now, you're from Wisconsin, right? This is true. This is a true story. Is that where, where you live? I lived in Mequon, which was uh, about tw- 20 minutes outside of Milwaukee. I know exactly where that is. Cool. And you guys are from, what, the Madison area? Madison. You got it. Which is kind of an interesting location for a metal band to break out of. <laughs> yeah, you get, yes, it's definitely... Uh, you know what? Um, Last Crack was from Madison. Um, that band that was on Roadrunner. They, oh, okay. they, were on, they were from Madison. But other than that, there hasn't been like a whole whole lot of metal from Madison. And, and um, But I got to say, the local scene recently is really starting to, to pick up. And some of these bands are really tight. And, and um, Madison's kind of known for being like the hippie town, but it's getting a little bit metal. Cool. <laughs> now, how did a band from from Madison, Wisconsin, attract people in the industry? You guys are now on Century Media. Can you talk a little bit about how you got their attention? Um, you know, it's kind of a long story, but um, we got interest from a lot of different labels, and uh, the first of which was Roadrunner Records, and they found out about us because our one of our very first albums was reviewed in Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles, and they gave it like a nine out of ten. So that's kind of where it all started. It's just a thought with just a review, you know, just word of mouth and, and people getting it out there, you know, and then gradually the interest, the buzz, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so, and, and so the Internet, I'm guessing, was a, was a very helpful in that probably. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, without the Internet, yeah, we, we had to have the Internet to help, help this happen for sure. Cool. For sure. Now, have you always been a metalhead? I was reading that you had actually classical training. Is that true? Yeah, um, that's actually true. Um, I, when I was young, when I was really young, I, I didn't know metal, but it wasn't because I didn't like metal. I just didn't know metal. Like I knew nothing about it. And then when I got to college, um, I went to school to be a classical singer. But my first like year in college, I got introduced to metal through these guys who wanted me to sing in their band. And um, they uh, gave me all these CDs and even magazines for, like, the past 10 years of, every, like, every type of metal you can possibly imagine. And just to, like, introduce me to it, and I, I was blown away. And I was, like, it was like opening Pandora's box, you know. I was, wow. I was sold. You know, so I finished up my classical training, 
um, and my music degree and everything, but I knew that it was pretty much sealed, that I would be doing heavy metal forever. So, so Mary, I wanted to ask you, now, coming from a classical background, of course you are familiar with the clean-style vocal sound, but now how did you develop the growling vocals? You know, um, it's funny, because I think because I am a classically trained singer that I was able to figure that out. Like, I would listen to... Uh, just people who had been doing it for a number of years, like Jeff Walker or Thomas Lindbergh or um, even Michael Akerfeld, you know, people like that who, like, had been doing it for years and years and years. And I was like, you know, there's got to be a way to do this without fucking it up. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Can no, I? you can say That's it. You cool. can say it. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't know, I, didn't know if, I didn't know what kind of a, a broadcast it is. Without fucking it up and um, without screwing up my voice. And uh, so I just sat down and I just, I just practiced it and I tried, I figured out how to do it. Cause I, you know, and then like, it was funny cause a couple of years later I read an article with Melissa Cross, um, when her first DVD came out, I was reading an article with her in a magazine about her technique and stuff. And I was like, that's exactly what I think. That's exactly how I, how I do it. And then I eventually had the opportunity to work with her too. So, and you came you know, specifically to New York to work with Melissa, right? Yeah, I totally did. It was awesome. And were you, like, just flying in for a lesson here or there? Did you come here and stay for, a, like, a month or something to work with her? How did that work? No, I just came off for, like, four hours worth of lessons. Um, and and uh, that doesn't seem like a lot, but I, I, got, I, have an, I have a ton of training and a bit of a vocal coach for a long time. So, you know, what, what Melissa did was she just basically, she just really helped me, um, fine tune like what I was doing with the band, you know, and, and, um, um, not so much the growling cause I really had that down well, like the technique, but the, my singing actually, cause I don't sing in an operatic style with the band at all. And, um, she helped me kind of fine tune that a lot. And, um, it was really fast and, uh, for me, cause I have just a lot of practice and a lot of experience. So, um, I didn't really, I mean, I'd love to go again, but I didn't spend like a long time out there. Cool. Well, the new album is called The Absence. Let's talk yeah. about where you guys went to record it, who you worked with. Um, we went to Florida to work with the illustrious Jason Sukoff, and that was awesome. We spent uh, about six weeks total at Audio Hammer Studios, and Mark Lewis, uh, the engineer, on that as well. And it, and um, another producer did some pre-production on that, Don DiBiase, and he's worked with, like, uh, Beneath the Sky and Forever in Terror and a bunch of other bands. So um, it was great. I love working with Jason. Um, I, I think the album sounds exactly how we wanted it to, and I think uh, the guys would totally agree with that. And um, I just love the way it turned out. And we also have, like, a lot, a lot of fun down there, too, you know. Oh, yeah, the album, it sounds just sonic. I mean, it's its a great-sounding record, and we're going to feature some music off of it in just a bit. But I wanted to talk about uh, the band Luna Mortis and, and some of the other bands that you guys have toured with. It's it, quite diverse when I look at the list. Everybody from, like, Dream Theater to Children of Bodom to Megadeth. Do you, any good stories about Megadeth? No, because we – well, we just opened – so we never, and when you're an, when you're a local opener, you don't get to see them or okay. talk to them or, you know, I, I wish, I guess my story would be that, that there's no, no communicating allowed. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're doing their own thing, you know? 
So we've ne- we've never even really met them, to be honest. Cool. So it's just one of those things. I wish I had a cool story about that. <laughs> well, what about uh, how about children in Bodom? Same thing. We were locals, and we didn't we didn't we didn't have any. But I do. Um, we have had some pretty crazy times uh, with the dudes in Warbringer. Oh, cool! And we're friends um, with those guys. You what? Yeah, we're friends with those guys. They're cool. Boat Johns and uh, yeah, uh, so funny. Yeah, they're hilarious. We've done we've done it several days with them, and you know, shared a lot of a lot of wheel, a lot of shots. <laughs> very good. So that's they're really fun to party with. They don't change their clothes very often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I learned that. I learned that, like yeah, how to not. <laughs> How not to change your clothes and or bathe for like 20 days in a row. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that's really cool. And, uh, you know, but so far we're so green. You know, I wish I had like cool road stories uh, about other bands and crazy shit, but we're just so green right now, you know. Right. Well, how about talking about the road? Are you guys going to be going out on any major tours coming up? Yeah, um, we we it's really cool because we got a lot of really big festival dates this summer in the Midwest, which is awesome. Like we're doing Chicago Power Fest with Devil Driver and Black Label Society, and then we're doing uh, Flight of the Valkyries, which is like a female uh, metal fest. Yeah, I was reading about that. Yeah, and that's gonna be badass. And then um, we're doing uh, Madison's uh, Band Camp. 94.1 JJO, the the rock station here does this big fest um, called Bandcamp, and I'm not I'm not sure if they've announced the headliners for that either. But um, we've got a bunch of stuff, and then in the in the fall we had head out on the road for some power metal with Ed Guy and uh, Epicurean, who are on Metal Blade. So we're gonna spend a lot of time out on the road with those guys in September. And then there's stuff coming for October, but it's not confirmed yet. <laughs> yeah, I see that in September, uh, you guys are coming to the Blender Theater uh, in New York, which, which is a great venue. Mark and I have seen some some really cool metal bands there. And then you're going to go to a club in uh, West Springfield, Virginia called Jack's that I've heard a lot about, but I've never, ever been there. Have you ever played there before? I've never played at Jack's. And yeah, you're right, dude. I have heard a lot of crazy, cool shit about that place. Like, everybody raves about it. So I'm... I'm looking forward to yeah, it. That could I, be a road a trip for me, maybe down to uh, West Springfield, Virginia, a day before my birthday. You guys are playing September 11th, so oh. maybe I'll head down there. I'm, my birthday is September 12th, so check that place well, out. Well, yeah, come out and party with us. That would be awesome. You should totally do that. Very cool. Now, Mary, you were recently out at the Revolver Golden Gods Award Show. Any uh, Any good parties, any good stories that you can share with us from that uh, outing? Oh, man, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we had so much good times out there. Um, the Revolver Golden Gods were, of course, amazing. The musical performances were amazing, and I got to meet so many cool people and um, um, do interviews and just meet. Uh, I got to sh- share a limo and, and meet for the first time Al from DOS and um, Al Levi, and that was cool. He's a great guy. Um, I also got to meet Sam Dunn, the guy who made the Metal Headbangers uh, Journey DVD. Um, I cool brought guy. along my best friend, who does not know metal, right. to to the awards, and so she, so all these like metal celebrities were like in the VIP area. She doesn't care who they are. She doesn't know them from anybody, right? So, which I thought would be cool, so she wouldn't be like all starstruck or weirded out by it. So, n- next thing I know. 
uh, we walked by, and I said, where's Courtney? And they said, oh, well, she's over there talking to Carrie King. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I turned around, and there's my best friend just talking to Carrie King, like, you know, like nothing. Because to her, you know, she's not a metalhead. She didn't uh, even know who he was. So, like, I came up to her, and I'm like, dude, do you have any idea who you just had a 15-minute conversation with? Right. So it, it was really cool. Uh, That's and great. It was very neat. It was really neat. And Carrie's such a down-to-earth guy that I could yeah. see him just totally striking up a conversation with, with just about anybody. Very yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, she said he was great and really nice. And, I mean, got the list of people I got to hang out with and meet. Um, for the second time, I got to ha- spend time with um, Chris Haworth from In This Moment. Um, great, and I met him great in friend. Milwaukee. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. So we, we got to hang out with him. I spent a lot of time with the Suicide Silence guys because they did Bamboozle, so we caught that, too, that weekend. And we also caught Steel Panther. It was like two pre-parties before the Revolver Awards. And so, I mean, there was, I mean, it was really great, though, for me to hang out with a lot of friends, old friends, new friends, you know, really, really cool stuff. And Mary, really cool to be a part of that. Very cool. You were part of the Century Media Women in Metal cal- uh, calendar, right? This is correct. I love that calendar. So tell us how you got involved in that. I, I know how you got involved through the label, and it's it's such a cool thing. Has has life changed since being a calendar pinup person? Um, you know, it's funny about that calendar. Well, at this point, you know, I'm willing to like take whatever opportunity is. I mean, Central Media actually asked us. You know, we we could we elected to be in that calendar. You know, it wasn't like forced upon us. And I thought, you know, well, that'd be really cool because at this point, anything I can do to you know, have something out there that draws traffic to the band, I'm okay with. And um, it's funny because when I was out for the Golden Gods, there would be so many people who'd be like, you know, someone would be like, oh, hey, this is Mary from Luna Mortis. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, the calendar. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, that was the smartest thing I did because more people remembered me from the calendar. You know, so yeah, I mean, if it helps draw attention to the music, it's a good thing, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, 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 that's what I think. I, I mean, it's not, uh, you know. Well, Mary, before we let you go, we'd love to get a Talking Metal ID saying your name, your band, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Sure. Whenever you're uh, ready. When, okay. Hey, this is Mary from Luna Mortis, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Cool, and this is Luna Mortis with Ruin.
That was Ruined by Luna Mortis. Use the links in today's show notes. They will open your iTunes, take you right to that song, you download it, and you help Talking Metal out. I think we get three or four cents with each of those uh, click-throughs. And by the way, guys, you know, we have so many listeners that those three or four cents amount to millions. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> no, honestly, we get a check about for about anywhere between 2 and $7 each month. Yeah, and our Talking Metal store raised a total of uh, about 10 bucks in about six months. No, I'm kidding, guys. I'm just joking. Um, thank you for using those links. And uh, boy, we haven't even had, like, too much to drink. And um, I'm just in a delirious mood, guys, because, like, if you don't sleep for five days, this is what happens to you. Yes, that's true. I got a letter here, by the way. I'm going to skim it. It comes to us from uh, Jesse Thompson. Thanks for your email, Jesse. John and Mark, I got turned on to Talking Metal a few times on Fuse, and I thought it was great. A while back, I bought a Zune and was really stoked when I found your podcast in Microsoft's Marketplace. Who knew? I didn't even know we were in there. Microsoft's Marketplace. What the hell is that? Don't know, but I'm going to check it out. I think it's pretty cool that uh, we're, we're hooked up with the Zune people and all over the place, man. And speaking of that, uh, remind me to tell you something cool related to TV Guide after you read this letter. Okay, cool. Since that time, I've downloaded a bunch of them, and they're awesome. I've been a metalhead since I was a kid, but unfortunately I don't have many like-minded friends, at least not in my daily life. I grew up in a farm town down by the Everglades, so geographically there's not much opportunity for me to see very many good shows or to meet fellow metalheads. Talking Metal is pretty much my only way of somehow being a part of good metal conversation and learning new things about the music. Thanks for bringing me further into the fold. Your show regularly covers some of my favorite artists, Zach Wilde, Dave Mustaine, GNR, Sabbath, which is cool, but there are some things I would hope to someday see on Talking Metal in the future. And he goes on to list a bunch of requests, including Pete Steele, um, the guys from Down, who else? Uh, John Christ, Ian Christie, more Ian Christie, he says. Uh, and, and he goes into detail, which I, we just don't have time to go into all this, but uh, wants to hear interviews about the new video game that's coming out, Brutal Legend, which features Rob Halford, Lemmy, and Ronnie James Dio. And what else? Uh, sorry for the long email. I type the way I talk, which is about 1,000 miles per hour. I don't expect you to have time to reply to this email, which is understandable. Just take it into consideration, and I'll keep rummaging through the older episodes to see if you've already covered this stuff before. Keep up the great work. Did we ask Rob Halford about the Brutal Legend video game in one of our interviews with him? I believe we did. We may have, because we always try to keep up with his current projects and what he's working on. So I think he's been working on that for many years. I, if you go back to our first interview with him, there may be mention of that. I'm not sure. Uh, and the other guys you mentioned, sure, we'd love to have him on. We, we did talk with Down. We've, we have had Ian Christie on the show a number of times. He's welcome back anytime. I know he's got a bunch of books that he is pushing. So uh, he's got his own publishing company set up now. So we definitely want him back on sometime soon. We are psyched. We're about to go see Mastodon. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, thanks, Jesse. I wanted to ask you, man, I'm totally into Florida due to the fact that Miami, what's it called? CSI Miami is my favorite television show. And um, 
one of my favorites. And I was wondering, do you see alligators like in the wild or what? Because you know the Everglades, there's a lot of alligators down there. Dude, I, my grand grandmother and grandfather lived in uh, a town in the middle of the state, uh, which slips my mind right now. Uh, but um, we were there, and there was like alligator walking down the street, like in a residential neighborhood, walked right into a ditch, you know, those like drainage ditch, and was just hanging out in there. Fairly big alligator, too, like uh, probably like four or five feet. Not massive, but decent size. And damn, the uh, Leesburg, that was the town they lived in. Now, do they have problems with like alligators attacking pets and stuff? Yes, they do. They do have, yep. And they jump in your swimming pools, too. That's why a lot of the swimming pools have like a screen around them. Man, you want to hear the craziest thing? And then we'll get, get right back to this. And this is a true heavy metal story. Uh, and it's if, you, if you're a KISS fan, and you know you may have heard a little bit about this, but a, a freaking uh, deer went into Ace Frehley's swimming pool like back in the reunion days, and it died in there. And uh, Ace had, to, like, he missed his plane going out to a show, and they were all worried that something was going on with Ace. And he said there was a deer in the pool, and it was a big scandal. And... I don't know if Gene and those guys believed it, but it was true. A deer jumped in the pool and died. You want to hear something else? Two deer jumped in my pool. I swear, I swear to God. Yeah, uh, my, you know, uh, down in Princeton, uh, my, my dad's place, uh, his old place, um, two deer jumped in the pool. And it was, I don't know if I was still living there or I just moved out. I'm not sure, but it was right around that time. And uh, they did not drown. Um, but they couldn't get out, and uh, they they had the he called the lawn guy or something helped them get the deer out. And there was two in there at once, and they jumped over a fence to get into the pool. That is insane, man! That is- so that does happen. So I believe the A story. Wow! Yeah, so it's definitely true without a doubt. And I can't believe that two deer went into your pool. We have uh, in my parents' uh, yard in Pennsylvania. There have been like you know deer running around, but nothing that uh, you know crazy. That's insane, man. Yes. Yes, that is insane. Little Mastodon, right now, we are so psyched for this concert. Less than 30 minutes. We better get in there. But right now, here's a little Mastodon on Talking Metal. Okay. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's awesome. This fire, this growing fast, and I can tell.
that was Colony of Birchman by Mastodon off of Blood Mountain. That song features Josh from Queens of the Stone Age, who you hung out with um, out at Rock Honors a couple years ago. Yes, as you did too. No, actually, remember I ran up to the hotel uh, room, and then by the time I got down, Josh left the... Oh, no, he did come back, but you were hanging out with him for a longer time than I was. Uh, possibly. I don't remember the details, but he well, did He did that. sit down at our table, and uh, Casey Chaos was there, and we, we all hung out for a while, um, like six minutes. Yeah, you know what happened was uh, he, he was at the table sitting there hanging out with you guys when I stepped away for a minute, and then when I he went back to his table. When I came down after he left, he came by and said, uh, you know, see you later, guys, and that was pretty cool. Totally. Remember that band, uh, Ram Jam? No. Black Betty? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great band. Put out two killer records back in the 1970s. Black Betty was on their first record. This song is somewhat rare off their second record, Hurricane Ride by Ram Jam. It was off the second Ram Jam record, which was called Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. And uh, there were no hits off of that record. But yeah, that song was called Old Black. It was called Black Betty. But the uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to uh, make you listeners suffer by attempting to sing the chorus. No, oh, I don't. You go ahead and sing it. Like Old oh, Black Betty Ramble. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. This is Hurricane Ride by Ram Jam.
That was Hurricane Ride by Ram Jam, classic band of the 70s. I think we better head into the uh, the Fillmore here to catch Mastodon. Absolutely, guys. We are psyched. 30 minutes to Mastodon. And, uh, you know, this is like a countdown for us to see one of the greatest rock metal you know, you name it. I don't care what you call it. It's all heavy metal. It's all hard rock. We are psyched to see Mastodon. They are a killer group from Atlanta, Georgia. And now we're going to hear from a killer singer by the name of Robert Lowe. He is currently in Candlemas. We're going to end today's show with a song called Dead Angel. Any final comments, Sean? Uh, I'm delirious, guys. I apologize. Uh, I had a full night's sleep. I know I keep harping on this, but uh, prior to last night, I had been up for five days straight, and uh, I'm a little nuts. Uh, I'm a little crazy in general, but uh, even after only drinking 1.5 beer beers, <laughs> that's how crazy I am, guys. I can't even think. I'm surprised I could actually function at, at work, but anyway, um, thanks for listening to Talking Metal. We really appreciate it, guys. I'm going to tell you once again that this show means more to me than anything in the whole world. So thank you for listening to Talking Metal. And uh, Rob Lowe, Robert Lowe, very cool dude. Uh, The interview is coming right up, and thanks. Cool. And check out the new Candle Mass. It'll be linked through today's show notes. It'll link you right to the song we end the show with, which is called Dead Angel by Candle Mass. Check it out. Robert Lowe, checking in from Texas. Talking Metal listeners, this is Robert Lowe from Candlemas and Solitude Eternus. How are you, Robert? I'm doing as good as we can be with all the swine flu going on down here. I know. Craziness, right? Yeah, that's messed up. Let's talk about Candlemas. Death, Magic, Doom, the new record. Sounds just great, by the way. And we are very excited to talk to you about this record. Let's first talk to, talk about how you actually ended up in Candlemas, which is the legendary Swedish band. You're obviously not from Sweden. No, far from it, actually. <laughs> You're from Texas, right? You know it. Cool. How did you get involved with Candlemas? I know this is going back a few years. No, no, that's fine. It's, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, Solitude was actually working on <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me here. It's <clears throat> not the swine flu, is it? Uh, not yet, anyway. <laughs> Good deal. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Solitude was actually working on their alone album. We were in the studio, and I was actually working a day job at the time. And uh, I was up at work one day. My girlfriend calls me. She'd been playing around on the Internet. And she's like, because uh, we just bought the Candlemas White album, right? So she was checking out Candlemass. I had just turned her on to Candlemass and everything else, blah, blah, blah. And so she calls me and she goes, dude, uh, I don't think she said dude, but right. <laughs> interject. She, she was like, uh, Messiah has left Candlemass again. I was like, all right. And so she's like, well, they're looking for a new singer. You should try out. I was like, ain't no way, man. I ain't going to try it. I'm busy working on the essay stuff right now anyway, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And so I'll just make this short and quick. So she's like, well, I tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and email Lave and uh, see what they say. Who knows? I was like, "That's you do whatever you want to do, sweetie. I'm going back into work now. So within 20 minutes, she calls me back, and Lave had responded to her email, <clears throat> and uh 
said, hell yeah. And the funny thing about that is, is within that 20 minutes, he had just gotten back from the store buying the new uh, alone CD. I'm sorry, we weren't working on it, but we had just put it out. Right. And he, he uh, had just got back from the store purchasing the alone CD, was fixing to put it in, and then saw her email. And the short and sweet of it is, I went in and next weekend cut quote-unquote demos with Gallows in and Solitude, and there you go. Here it is from there on out, man. Now, were you guys friends before? Did you know each other? No, I'd never met the guys. Wow. He uh, was actually friends with JP, they, uh, or John Perez from SA, and uh, they had communicated off and on throughout the years, you know, the early days of tape trading and stuff like that. But, uh, no, I uh, had never met the guys. They had been solitude fans as we had been candle mass fans. So you kind of know each other, you know, in a metaphysical way through the music. And I did the album, knocked it out in a week. And within a month was over there doing a photo shoot for the publicity. And that was the first time I actually met all the guys. So when you, you were doing the album without actually having ever gotten together in person. Yep, not at all. There was uh, an extreme deadline that they were scrambling for because Nuclear Blast had a deadline. So I basically had four days after our phone conversations to get into the studio and record the material. And so we did that. Um, I went into the studio here at night in Dallas. FTP'd it up. He got it in the morning. We would discuss whatever. Then I'd go back in the next night and do whatever I did, and that's how the King of the Grey Islands got recorded. Wow, cool. Now, but Death Magic Doom is a, is a different story. This is a album that you've been involved with since conception, if you will, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the King of the Grey Islands was already in the can and ready to go when Messiah decided to uh, step off, if you will. So, uh, yeah, this time I got to, I actually went over to Stockholm for a couple of weeks to uh, work, you know, we all work together in the studio, which makes a big difference, too. And I, I think you can tell, I don't know if there's a feeling or whatnot, that there was more cohesion on this recording as opposed to the King of the Grey Islands, because we were able to work together face-to-face, yada, yada, you know? Cool. And what is the status of Solitude now? Uh, it's still alive and kicking. Uh, we just played a show a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to be doing one here in another couple of weeks, too. And we actually have uh, a festival date set in August in Romania, which consequently, Candlemass is also doing the same festival. So Convenient. <laughs> so you'll be doing yeah, very... two gigs in one day, or one festival. Oh, yeah, one festival. I think Solitude's going to headline Friday, and Candlemass headlines on Sunday. Very cool. Cool. And then we'll, I saw a few dates on, on the Candlemass website, but I didn't see like anything as far as a, a real tour. Are you guys planning a real tour to support the record? No, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but um, the the dates keep rolling in. What I don't know. Management, Ole Bang, basically says it's not really a tour, but we're doing a lot of, of festivals and club stuff. So, you know, once June rolls around, we go over there to do the Swedish Rock Fest. And then we do three or four dates around the country, and then I come back and do this, and then go back over there. And between basically between June and, and November, Candlemas has got a, a ton of dates coming up for a lot of the European festivals. Cool. And how have the longtime 
Candlemas fans been uh, embracing you and accepting you into the into the fold? Well, with just a few of uh, a few naysayers I've seen on some of the uh, forums and whatnot, there hasn't been an issue. And you know, without tooting my own horn, everybody said this is the perfect matchup. A lot of people have said, "I knew right away they should have got you when Messiah left." And yeah, yeah. so it's been basically, you know. As gay as it sounds, open arm type of thing, you know? Right. So it hadn't been much of an issue. Very cool. Now, Robert, I wanted to, to go back and talk about some of your history. I mean, way back to even before SA, because you've been, you've been a member of SA since, like, 89. Tell us about what you were into before that and some of your influences <clears throat> and how you even got into SA. Okay. Uh, well, from the very beginning, uh, let's see, 12 years old. What does every 12-year-old want to do? Get a guitar and be a rock star. So, of course, I go get my first guitar and amp at a pawn shop. So a couple of years roll by. Well, of course, you know, I'm good now. I've been playing for two years. Right. So I start, <laughs> I start my first band. Um, I start a band called The Holy, which was basically a punk band. I mean, in the veins of, like, social distortion, black flag, government issue, that type of stuff. Cool. And we played several gigs. Actually, me even underage here in Dallas at the uh, Deep Element, some of the punk rock clubs back then. We did that for a while. And then after that got a little bit boring, I uh, moved on to my next band when I was 17. And I thought, you know what, I want to do something heavy. You know, this punk rock stuff has lost its appeal. I can actually play now, so let's write some real music. And I started another band called Graven Image, which uh, consequently... Lyle Stedham, the old bass player for Solitude, was my bass player in Graven Image. So we did that for like a year or two. Then that kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, I haven't heard for a while, you know, in a year or so. And one day out of the blue, he calls me and he goes, Hey, man, you know, what you doing? What are you up to? I said, ah, I'm just kicking. He was like, well, uh, John Perez and, Sol- and Lyle actually met in college down here at UTA. And uh, he said, well, I, uh, I ran across this fella who got this really cool, quote-unquote, doom band. You know, back in the late 90s, or late 80s, early 90s, doom, what is what is doom? And I'm like, uh, okay. He's, you know, he said he wants to play stuff like Candlemass. And I'm like, okay, and who's Candlemass? And like, well, uh, there's their singers quitting. And uh, was wondering if, you know, maybe you would want to come sing for the band. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, I play guitar, but I'll I'll do it. Why not? I'm, I'm not doing anything else. And so basically that's just short and sweet of how Solitude started. I, cause, well, let me backtrack a second. With Graven Image, I played guitar and sang. But I still wanted to be a guitarist. But with Solitude, they only needed a vocalist because they already had two guitars. And like I said, since I wasn't doing anything else, I said, sure. Let's do this. It could be fun. Might be a party. Bring some beer. Who knows? And that's where it pretty much all started and took off from there. And now, then, on some of the later SA records, you became the main lyricist of the band. Now, had you previously, you know, written lyrics as well, or did you consider yourself more of a guitar player? I would have to say I considered myself a guitarist. Um, I didn't really write the lyrics. I mean, even in Graven Image, Lyle wrote a lot of the lyrics. I mean, I contributed here or there, but... I never really, it wasn't my thing. I, you know, I didn't want to be a singer. I didn't care about writing lyrics. I just, you know, guitar. But it ended up, turned, just everything turned around. And so I was thinking, well, 
I can do this lyric thing. And that's where it took off. I started uh, contributing to USA. Uh, Lyle left. And then I just took over completely, you know. Actually, as a matter of fact, there's a couple of tunes on Adagio where I play all the instruments, too. Wow. Very and, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it, I try to keep my, my hands in all the bowls, so to speak. And you never studied singing, like, with lessons or anything like that? No, I, no, I never did that. And I never, like I said, it was it was never something I really thought I was going to do. So I just never bothered. Just, you know, step up there, kind of the old punk rock attitude and just do it. Cool. Cool. Well, the again, the new record by Candlemass is Death Magic Doom. We encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to pick that up. And we'd love to get an ID from you saying your name, your bands, and you're listening to Talking Metal. All right, Doom fans, this is Robert Lowe speaking to you on Talking Metal, vocalist of Candlemass and Essay, two legendary Doom bands. May you be doomed forever. Oh! 